0: Hello, I'm Badis, and welcome to the Implement podcast. This is a podcast where we have great conversations about marketing, growing brands, and what it takes to be a great marketer. If you're interested in keeping up with the podcast episodes and the amazing content we produce at Implement, you should definitely subscribe to our newsletter. Just go to join-implement.com to subscribe. Alright, enough self-promo, let's dive into this new episode, and thanks again for tuning in. Welcome everyone to this new episode of the Implement Podcast. Today, my guest is Kristen Sword. Uh, Kristen is director of integrated marketing at Health Ecommerce. Uh, Kristen, thank you so much for taking the time to to join me today. Uh, maybe you could introduce yourself to the audience before we start.
1: Absolutely, uh, thank you so much for having me. It is absolutely lovely to be here. Um, so, my name is Kristen Sword. As you said, I'm currently the director of integrated marketing at. Healthy Commerce. Healthy Commerce is a family of brands, uh, very much centered around um, wellness and overall helping people benefit from their uh, pre-tax dollars. Um, so this is primarily with FSAs and HSAs. Um, but really, I have I've been born and bred more in the startup space. Um, and while Healthy Commerce is is not a startup, I feel like my trajectory in marketing. Has started more um, uh, like a founding team, and then sort of slowly grown bigger, bigger, and bigger. Um, so it's nice to be at a, a more established company now. Um, but I would say my background in startup is really what gave me the skills and um, and really the the mindset that I think got me here. Uh, and I, I really loved that journey.
0: Awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's really exciting to. To start working at small companies when you're when you're learning marketing and starting your career, and uh, and then sort of moving up to larger organizations. So yeah, it, I can uh, can understand how it was an exceptionally educational uh, experience. So yeah, you know, tell us a, m- a bit more about that. How uh, you know what what kind of startup did you work for? Uh, you know, how did you start with with all this?
1: Sure. Uh, so first and foremost, I'm currently in New York. I'm in downtown Manhattan. Um, but I'm from Los Angeles and I first moved to New York sort of on a whim. Uh, some of my childhood best friends, I mean, we were, I think we were 13 when we were best friends, uh, had an idea for a startup and this is back in like 2015, 2016. So, okay. And he said, do you have this idea? Do you want to come to New York? and you want to start a company? Um, so all of us, none of us lived in New York. We all, uh, moved within a couple of weeks did the thing where you're living out of an apartment with way too many people and too small of an apartment and eating ramen (laughs) every day and trying to figure out, you know, how you can just make it work. Um, So I was on the founding team of that startup. It was called Trove and focused on how you make 3D printing something that is actually applicable to your everyday life and not just a technology that sounds cool. So we were doing custom jewelry. So that would allow people to design their own custom jewelry, and through um, established three D printing processes, we were able to produce anything from bronze all the way up to fourteen karat gold. So actually, premium custom jewelry. Um, and then we were we were very very fortunate. You know, we were VC backed, and then we were acquired. And I sort of stayed within that VC family. Uh, and moved to another direct to consumer startup. This one was called Greats, or is called Greats. They are still around. They were recently acquired by another company called Steve Madden. Um, but Greats was a direct to consumer sneaker brand, primarily for men when I first started. And when I was there, I was fortunate enough to help launch the women's line and then also really launch us into. Um, retail and all these new marketing channels that, you know, aren't Facebook and Google, like most young D2C companies are on. Um, And then from there, hopped over to a company called Dormify. Uh, They are a college, they are home decor for college spaces or really small spaces, right? Because dorms are typically small. Um, So it was started By a young woman who came up with the idea when she was in her college dorm and she made it a reality. It's really an incredible story. Um, And they recently just secured their next round of funding. So they're doing quite well and I'm so happy for them. Um, But really through all of these steps in the process, I went from, you know, founding team single apartment to early stage startup before they raised their series A, taking, being with them through the series A, right? Taking them through to um, new channels, new markets, et cetera, and then moving over to Dormify where I came in as a director and was able to apply the learnings that I had had from my previous journey and from the incredible mentors and leaders that I had witnessed and try and do the same with them. Um, So it's been a very fun progression of taking what I've learned, applying it to the next level, then seeing what that looks like at scale, then taking that and going to the next level and seeing what that looks like at scale. Uh, so that's sort of been my my onward trajectory.
0: Yeah, that's uh, thanks for sharing this. It's a uh, it's a great story, and uh, I feel like um, you know it's um, it's one that I, I really identify with because I I st- I really learned uh, you know how to manage operations and marketing by launching my first company. I think that this is where I I actually get the most you know out of my out of my work. Like this is where I worked the most in my life. I felt like. Um and yeah, I'm curious, like how did you sort of get started because you this was sort of a, your first marketing experience and you had to uh, were you in charge of marketing back then with uh with trove uh, so or what was it like how did you learn all this with uh with Trove?
1: I mean, I guess you could call it in charge of marketing at the time yeah. it didn't feel that way, but I was the only marketer in the building, <laughs> yes. um and I was not i wouldn't I would not say I was a traditional marketer. there was definitely a learning curve. Um, Before that, I had actually come from tech. So I was a a technical project manager and I managed um, developers and designers. So I sort of took, I think, the process piece of understanding how to make things happen and applied that to the marketing side and then had to learn everything else. Um, And how I did that, a lot of Google, (laughs) a lot of, you know, looking up articles and trying to figure it out. And this is, you know, back in twenty. 16, when you could actually grow a company on Facebook, right? This is a very different world than what we're talking about today. Um, and I also, you know, from being VC backed, we were fortunate to have access to people we could ask questions to, right? It was one of the benefits of having um, VC funding is that you get access. So I was able to make phone calls. I was able to ask questions um, which was very, very helpful, but a lot of trial and error. I mean, and a lot more error than I would say <laughs> anything else. Um, but you know, the trial by fire, like you said, is really a way that will teach you to learn quickly, whether you like it or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's uh I, I loved when you said I loved it when you talked about uh, you know, a lot of Google. Uh, <laughs> that's uh that's really like a, sort of the the yeah, the default way of learning, and uh, you can basically learn you know, almost any job now with just Google, um, and YouTube.
1: YouTube yeah, is also yeah. great. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, and so, what would you say to that first, you know, that person you were back then, uh, you know, taking the uh, your first steps, you know, into, into the marketing world? Uh, what would you teach that person right now with your knowledge? Something that you know right now, but you you really like, you feel like you should have known it beforehand and you want to, you want to, you know, what advice would you give that, that, uh, that Kristen from back then?
1: Ooh, okay. So I'd I'd have two pieces. Um, One would be no one to ask for help. I think there is something to trial and error and trying to figure things out. And that entrepreneurial spirit of, I will, I'm going to make this happen. Um, but know when you've hit a point where you're like, okay, I need someone to help me. I need someone smarter than me in the room. And that doesn't mean that I'm not smart. It just means that I need help. Uh, And I think younger me was very sensitive to that fact. It was afraid if I asked for help, it meant I wasn't smarter capable. Um, So that would be the first thing. And then the second thing is, is when you're in an early stage company, you know, you can't think in basis points Right. you can't think in slightly raising conversion rate or AOV or anything like that. Like you need to kind of go for broke, and that's what I would have told me is, yeah, these Facebook campaigns are fine, and sure you can keep A/B testing, but you really need to get some growth happening. So you need to take some bigger bets. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would have been that would have been the thing I would have changed the most.
0: Interesting. I mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's uh, you know obviously the the first one is kind of some you know uh it's a very sort of junior mistake when you know whatever i think you know you can talk to any professional in any industry and they would say the same thing to their junior selves you know just uh ask for help don't be afraid to say like i don't know and things like that but bigger bets is something that uh yeah i, I really i think is really interesting uh, uh i feel like you you yeah you kind of aim for sort of um yeah, for just like very incremental successes uh, when you're when you're maybe more junior because you're maybe afraid to sort of uh, uh, make long-term bets or I don't know like uh, I'm I'm just trying to because I definitely see what you're meaning and uh, and I think it's it's a mistake that that a lot of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial like marketers do when they're dealing with their own startups is that they sort of uh, go for these like very small incremental sort of um, successes when, you know, I, I I don't remember who said that um, to me, but it was uh, someone talking about uh, a meeting happening at Google back then when they were just like a small startup. And the co-founders basically had this a thing where they would ask their team to say, they would just ask them, like, tell me what we should do if you if you wanted to 10x the results you're presenting me. Like what, what would it look like? Because you're showing me this as sort of a, an incremental growth. Okay. We're going to do better than last month and the month before, but what if you wanted to exit? Like, how does, how does it look like? And sometimes you get a completely different answer from whatever you would have said, if you were looking for incremental growth, I don't know. It just made me think of that when you said about thinking about, uh, you know, better bets. A bigger mm-hmm. bet, sorry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's, you have to remember there's these startup is such a ubiquitous term at this point. It covers so many stages of a company, right? Sometimes I still think of like away way as a startup, but they're, they're not really a startup anymore, right? Like sure. They're a younger company, but they're, they're really, they're more established, right? Um, early, early stage. It's like that founding team pre-seed or seed stage. It depends if you're really going for growth, which is what we were going for you have to do the unscalable things. And people tell you that. And I remember hearing that at the time. I don't think I really got it until now. We are like, yes, we are going to, um, I think like, for example, for us, we, for every single person that signed up on our um, like pre-launch list, I hand wrote a note to each and every one of them and sent them tea and asked them if they wanted to get tea with me. And just to understand why did they sign up? Why are they interested, right? Like, and then we wrote a handwritten note as, you know, you don't have a supply chain or anything to do that. Um, and I think those those are small unscalable things, but I would have taken on the acquisition side, equivalent bigger bets on really just making this, j- mm-hmm. just taking those, those bigger risks and knowing that once you find momentum, then you can backfill the structure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love the, uh, the, the tea invitation, uh, and, and not coffee invitation, which is a sort of an original take on it. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I really, uh, I really think it's, uh, it's something that I I've also not done enough when I, you know, when I was starting in entrepreneurship and doing more of an entrepreneurial marketing, because I, yeah, I didn't think about those, uh, um, you know, all those things that you could do. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a shame. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a very good advice that, uh, you could have given your junior self. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you, you moved to a DTC brand afterwards. And so is that, is that your focus? Like you uh, you, you've done DTC, like most of your career, right?
1: Yes. I'm, I'm primarily, you Dabbled a little outside of that, but mostly through starting from e-commerce being the whole, and then you know, at great speed, had some wholesale deals and you know, again, launched retail. So had experience on on that side, but really I would say I'm I'm an e-commerce brat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what what do you enjoy about it? Like what's what's uh what what do you like about e-commerce?
1: Oh man. So especially in New York. I feel like e-commerce brands overall—they're really a marketer's game, right? You, I'm, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick on an industry, but if you look at, you know, mattresses or sheets, right? For mattresses, you have Casper, you have Purple, you have Lisa, you have Helix. Like you have—they're different, I'm sure. And I am not in the market for a mattress, so I don't know the difference. But you have a bunch of different companies, right? And outside of the small product differentiation it's really about marketing and you find that so frequently in the d2c realm where you get some of the best marketers in the game and it's about how good are you at storytelling and how good are you doing it efficiently right because you can't just spend tons and tons and tons of money for the most beautiful campaign your campaigns have to be smart but they still have to be unique uh, and that's why i think i've always loved direct to consumer is as a marketer, you really have a hand in the performance of these, these various companies uh, and you get to work. There's those barriers between you and product, right? And as you look at the new world of marketing, we're seeing this conversion between marketing is not just marketing and products, not just product. You have marketing and you have product and you have tech and everyone has to kind of come to the table together. And there's less barriers when you are at a very streamlined company to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like uh, maybe what's exciting is also the the fact that it's um, you can really target wide, and you're not like selling to uh, you know just a handful of um, of potential prospects, um, and that's really exciting. Like uh, I, I I definitely understand the the you know the the excitement of you know telling your story to thousands and thousands of people and running like very large campaigns and sort of uh, um, being out there, I think, I, I don't know. I, I imagine that would be one, uh, one of the attractive things as well.
1: Oh yeah, of course, of course. I mean, there was a time, um, there was a time where it was like the startup dream in New York was you bought out a subway ad. Uh, it was it was such a moment and everyone wanted to do it, right? But it was like that mark of if you made it on the subway, then <laughs> you've hit that point as a startup. And of course, like everyone wants to blanket a city and be able to walk down the streets of New York and say, not only are my ads on, on Facebook, which is yeah. not that exciting as a marketer. You're like, Oh, look, that's my billboard. Yeah. Uh, there is, it is very, very fun to mm-hmm. be able to see your creation in the wild and also just to see the product grow. Right. I think mm. there was nothing more fun than, um, still back at greats. We had a Slack channel called greats in the wild and everyone would just take photos of random people they would see with our sneakers on. And it was so fun to watch that channel just grow, Mm-hmm. over time, exponentially, right? Whereas before it started because we were just so excited that we saw any. And then it was like, oh, well, only post things if we see a unique pair because everyone's seen the white pair of sneakers, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's not that exciting anymore. Um, yeah. But that's really cool. Really, really cool to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love this Subway ad, you know, thing because it's it's the same in Paris. Like uh, there's uh, the Subway is, is covered with you know, startup, uh, startup companies and DTC companies. And uh, (laughs) it's like the, uh, you know, when you, when you, when you got there, it's like, wow, you just made it as an entrepreneur. And, you (laughs) you, you know, all Paris is talking about you and which is, you know, it's it's funny because like, uh, I don't remember uh, who told me this, but uh, when you're like seeing uh, apps and, you know, uh, mostly digital products on the subway, the, the Paris subway is not well connected. There is no internet on the Paris subway. So it's like, when you think about it from just a sort of a, a transformation <laughs> point of view, it's really like a bad idea to ask people to download an app when there's no internet connection. Uh, <laughs> but still, it was it was like so this sort of, a, you know, peak thing. And uh, I remember even companies that I, I know that are now very large and raised a lot of money. they The first round they got, they were like, okay, we need brand awareness. We need like, we need everyone in Paris to know about us. Uh, even though we just raised like a tiny round, but we still need to like run the campaign for just a, a week or, you know, and, uh, and yeah, it's, a it's a funny thing. Actually, um, I haven't been to, in the Paris subway for a while now, but, uh, it was all over the, the subway, all over the subway. So I'm, I'm guessing maybe, uh, you know, it came from New York or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's yeah. so funny. Uh, it's, yeah. it, it's definitely a status symbol out here or it was right. I also have not really spent that much time on the subway in the past year, but it used to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in your journeys, you, you talked about s- sort of starting your own business and then moving on to, uh, you know, larger sort of organizations. So maybe more responsibilities, uh, maybe, you know, uh, having the team to manage and things like that. So you had to take on a lot of skills and a lot of, uh, um, you know, learn a lot of new things. And so, uh, did you have anyone who helped you sort of mentors that uh, sort of guided you along the way uh, you talked about the sort of VCs connecting you with people uh, you knew, how did you sort of, uh, uh, you know, connect with people that could help you and could, could really help you with, with, with growing as a, as a leader?
1: Yeah, no, of course I am. I am built on the shoulders of people much greater than me that who were, who are willing to teach me. Right. I think we all really are. Um, but I, I was very fortunate right? So yes, part of a VC family. So there are there's an opportunity for connection there. But I think more than anything, I just got lucky. Um, one of the, the founders of, of Trove, the very early company, one of my oldest friends, I think at this point, I've known him for 25 years. Um, he is actually both a dear friend, but also someone that I would consider a mentor. He is very thoughtful, very different from me, not a marketer, but has taught me so much about just leadership and business acumen. And, and I attribute my ability to see the business more holistically uh, as a marketer and not just get so fixated on certain aspects because of him. Um, and then really at greats, I would say I had some of my my greatest uh, mentors. They, The director of digital, who was, I think, one of the the founding members there as well is um, still a good friend and and truly one of the smartest people I have ever worked with. Um, And then our VP of marketing that came in after that probably had the largest impact on my career, frankly, Mm -hmm. and my life. Like he is one of the, to this day, I will say one of the best leaders I have ever met and Mm -hmm. just one of the genuinely best people. Uh, And so I was just fortunate, right? Sometimes you get lucky and I'd yeah. rather be lucky than good. And I just got very lucky that I was put in a place that had built in incredible leaders that I got to learn from every single day. Um, and especially in startup, a year feels like three. Uh, and I spent close to three years there. So I got to really see not only the evolution of the company, but watching how those different leaders handled and managed and shifted the culture underneath them as the company became renewed every, you know, five or six people or every mm-hmm. new milestone you hit on the top line.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. I mean, it's, uh, they're, not, they're there's nothing better than learning from your coworkers and, uh, people close to you and especially from people you work with, like on a daily basis. It's, uh, uh it's really, a, it's really a blessing. So the, these, um, uh, you know, these mentors and these friends, uh, they taught you more on the, you know, on the sort of business management side and leadership side. Did you have any mentors maybe on the more of a, the e-commerce marketing side or people that uh, maybe influenced you, maybe even if you do not know them or something?
1: Marketing did influence me on the marketing side and the business side as well. But really, he was probably my um, fast track, uh, fast track and, and quick learning for marketing overall. But I'd also say I learned from my peers. I think there's something so powerful about that. I have, um, I, I can think of one peer in particular and, you know, she's an incredible marketer an incredible mind. And I think there is something so powerful to that, where even having people who are not five steps above you, but even a couple steps ahead of you, you know, that's really where you have the biggest gains because sometimes when someone is so far ahead, it doesn't feel attainable. But when someone is, you know, just ahead of you, that's where you learn the most for tactics right here, right now, right? Because they just went through it. So I think I had accumulation of not a single mentor, but really a community of people that we were close enough that you can do that thing where you text them and you're like, hey, looking at radio spots, who did you use? Right or hey um have is is Facebook acting weird for you today, right and you can do those sort of things with them and you sort of enter and you end up mentoring each other in a yeah. way
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely it's uh it's a uh, it's a bit what we're trying to do with implemented actually by the way, so it's uh it's definitely the, in the spirit yeah it's uh i mean we it, at some points you only learn from uh, people like that are there's, there doesn't need to be like this sort of top down relationship with your mentors and the people you're learning from uh you could learn so much from someone doing the same job as you but just in a different company because they're approaching things differently because uh they have you know they have something to share that is really relatable um and yeah it's uh absolutely so talking about talking about tactics and e-commerce marketing and uh, uh you know I think it's a very exciting topic because uh, there's so many DTC brands right now. I mean, it's, it's like one of the, for the past few years, it's been one of, I think one of the fastest, you know, uh, industry out there. Uh, you know, could you walk us through maybe like what you think are the most important things that a DTC company should do, uh, what they should pay attention to. If you, if you're talking to a, uh, you know, marketing director right now, uh, with a DTC brand, what should they pay attention to? What kind of tactics should they implement? Uh, yeah, what what uh, what should they do?
1: Uh, that's it's a great question. There, there's so many things you should do, but I think above anything else, you have to know your goals, right? And you have to know that your goals as a marketer and that they roll up to the goals that the business has, right? When you're reporting to the board, when you have stakeholders who are looking for X, Y, and Z, make sure there is alignment on those goals. Uh, every marketer has probably heard this, but you know the least favorite thing that you could ever hear is we want to we want to go for growth, but we also want to go for profitability. And you're like, all right, well, at some point something's got to give. So what matters more, or what are you really looking for, right? Like, what is the metric we're really being benchmarked against? And I think that informs everything else, right? I mean, next the next layer down from that is once you have your goals established determining your marketing mix, right? And figuring out what exactly do I need to spend on what channel based on these goals, right? Mm -hmm. So now that I know how much I can spend to acquire a user and how much they need to bring in, where are my users and how far out in that funnel can I really grow, right? If I don't care as much about profitability and I care for growth, my marketing mix will shift dramatically, Right. And I'll lean a lot more upper funnel versus if we decide we're going to grow a little bit slower, but we want to do it profitably. Right. Then you you might pull back on that upper funnel and really let that customer journey sort of foster it through and focus more on that mid to lower funnel. It really depends on your goals. But I think that is something that sometimes we all get overexcited about, which is okay, we have money. Great. We're going to launch the Facebook ads. We're going to do Google. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And you're like, okay, that's, we can, and we probably should. This is great. We should definitely, definitely have Google ads. That's probably going to happen. But before we do any of that, right? Like let's set some baselines because at the end of the day, you're going to be beholden to whatever you give to the board.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um is that is that what integrated marketing is? Because I have no idea what that means.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, it's you know what's so funny is integrated marketing to me is the new buzzword. It's the new growth. Like, do you remember when director of growth came out and everyone's like, what is that? What does that even mean? Yeah, Yeah, I think integrated marketing is the new the new title. That's that's just um, see that intersection between I'm not a brand marketer, but I'm not a growth marketer. I'm kind Mm. of right in between right? And it helps for me that I came up on that growth marketing side, right? And have really seen that performance side of the business, but also then have seen the brand building side of it because when you're at a startup, there isn't a brand and a performance side, you're just marketers. Um, so integrated marketing, I think is a more formal term that is that intersection. So for me, I sit between all of these various teams, I look at the tactics and the channels that we're going into, and I'm saying, does this make sense? And then I'm also looking at the message and the brand, and I'm just like, is this make sense for the customer at this point in the journey at this time? And are we consistent across the board? Um, so awesome. That is, yeah. that is what I would call it today.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just learned something I didn't know what it what it meant. So yeah. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's uh, uh, you know talking about the. Uh, the tactics I think you're definitely right I mean uh, goal alignment is is super important and having uh, clear objectives and clear KPIs on the table Uh, for the marketing mix like uh, do you have any sort of advice on where DTC marketers should look at right now are there any like cool new channels to look into are there uh, uh, you know things maybe they should should stop doing like anything in, in particular that is new out there?
1: Um, I, I feel like this is a cop out answer, but it really depends on your business. Yeah. Um, so, like at Dormify, when TikTok first came out, we were all we knew that that's where we needed to be, right? Dormify is targeting seniors in high school going to college, right? That was 100% the platform they should be on. Uh, that may not work for every company, right? If yeah, you're yeah. not targeting, if you're not targeting that age demographic, I wouldn't say to go into TikTok. Maybe now, maybe not. Right. Uh, if you are a company that's targeting professionals right now, I tell you go check out Clubhouse. I think Clubhouse is definitely going to be a thing. Mm. Um, and I think it, it is pretty compelling, but it may not be as compelling depending on your audience. Right. Yeah. So know your audience. Uh, and then I would say don't ignore the boring things. Mm. You know, they're, they may not be flashy or sexy or cool, but there is consistency to. Um, specifically, Google, right, and the Google Suite. So not just Display, Discover, YouTube, PPC, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like radio, right, yeah. and podcasts. Depending on depending on who you're going for, uh, don't ignore the the traditional forms of media yeah. and what they can offer you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's this is really uh, great advice um, about TikTok. We. We've we've tested it with Lucy a little bit, and we just share uh, reels there. And uh, you know what? We have like I think when we last time I checked, we have like uh, we had like three followers on TikTok, uh, which is mainly Lucy, me, and some someone else I don't know. Uh, And we had like our videos uh, were like doing six hundred views, you know. And it was just we're just sharing the reels from Instagram to to TikTok. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's uh, I think that's a great. maybe a way to step into it, but I agree like if it doesn't make sense for your business and for, you know, whoever you're targeting, it's, it's probably not a good idea. And for clubhouse, like I've, I've, uh, I've been invited to clubhouse, but I don't own an iPhone. So right now it's completely worthless to me, this invitation <laughs> because they, they are only launched on uh, on iPhone. Mm-hmm. And I, I do have an Android and I'm proud of it. I, I work on a MacBook, <laughs> but I, I, I hated iPhones and I stopped buying iPhones. So I, yeah, I don't, I can't use clubhouse actually, but I think I'm going to buy, uh, probably an iPhone just for, just for starting wow. Yeah, because you know what, for the podcast, I think it could be great. Like, uh, having these conversations, uh, I could just, you know, uh, put them on clubhouse uh, live at the same time, or I don't know. It's something that I, I, I want to look into. So, yeah I, I,
1: yeah, I agree. I also think to, to your point about TikTok, like TikTok and clubhouse both have empty space, right? We talk about quote unquote hyper growth right? That doesn't work anymore. on Instagram doesn't work anymore on Facebook. You're not going to build your brand in the same fashion, but there is empty space in both of these areas. So if you go for it, this is kind of full circle, going back to the bigger bets, you're going to have higher gains. If you do it, you have a better chance of higher gains here. So even just the math would tell you that this is a good bet to take.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And for, yeah, for anyone listening, we have, uh, we've published a playbook on Instagram uh, that we we co-authored with uh viv conway who is like a, an instagram expert and uh it's on the website anyways for you know, just i'm trying to plug myself here uh <laughs> but yeah i mean it's uh yeah absolutely it's um you know it, it, you, basically your advice about about channels and tactic is is look at what's new out there but also don't forget the traditional things which i think is uh i think is is uh, is, a, is a great advice and. Uh, and yeah, I mean, talking about talking about new new uh, marketing approaches, new channels, um, new things like that. Is there anything as a marketer, or maybe something you've seen in your in your team, or that you think you could improve on? You'd like to learn in the next few years. Like, uh, you know, I've had a lot of marketers talk about data, talk about automation, things like that. Like, are there any specific topics that you're interested into uh, these days?
1: Hmm. Um... Personally, for me, I'm I am now man. I I'm I'm now at a director level, which means I don't touch the channels as frequently as I used to. So I think when you ask me that question, my head immediately goes to. I just want to make sure I continue to touch the channels, right, and to actually get my hands in there. Um, because if I take you know six months off with Facebook, it's like relearning a new platform all over again. Um, digital just moves so fast that if you if you step away for too long. Your advice, your tactics, your your theories are not necessarily going to hold true. So I really want to just stay on top of all of the emerging channels and find that balance between uh, distraction and learning, right? I think that is the biggest, that's the biggest challenge right now is there's so much information out there. There is so much newness that you as, as, a, as a marketer and really as a leader have to be able to be hyper-focused and focused on the right things. Right, which is hard to determine when you don't know what you don't know. Um, so being able to strike that balance is something that I'm really hoping for. And and for my team, I think my goals are quite different. I am also very fortunate for like a broken record. I'm very fortunate, I have an incredible team. And you know what I hope for all of them is that we democratize information and that we empower each of them to be leaders truly, right? Like they, I want to have a team of people who feel ownership and empowerment and can think in that entrepreneurial mindset. And I think that that, that culture is what leads to growth, right? Like at a certain point, yes, in the early stage, it's more about the bets that you take and and all those sort of pieces. But really, once you start growing a team, it's about the culture and the people that you surround yourself with, right? Like I'm not functionally doing everything in fact, I sometimes feel like I functionally do nothing other than sit in meetings and have conversations with people. But sometimes, you know, that is the role that I'm here to play is make sure that roadblocks are removed. Everyone has what they need. Everyone knows what's going on and everyone feels safe to fail, empowered to do their best and knows what a North Star is. Um, and I really think that's something that my that I hope for my team as I, as yep. I look at the future.
0: Yeah, it's... a. Uh... Yeah. Thanks for sharing this. I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's something, it's a response I'm getting from a lot of, uh, marketers who are growing more into like CMO level and director level. Uh, yeah, it's true. You, 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 become more of a manager and, uh, you know, more, uh, uh, really into learning how to be, uh, yeah, a better driver for, uh, for people to feel like included and, in, uh, building a transparent environment, building a lot of you know positive energy and, uh, better collaboration so these are things that i think are are uh, super important for for marketers who who kind of need to to sort of step up in an organization and, and get uh you know get more responsibilities and everything so yeah it's a um it's a great goal and i i wish you a lot of a uh, lot of success and uh, i think it's um yeah it's something that uh, once you've sort of went through the you know, the, the operational and uh, getting your hands dirty and doing like read startup marketing and doing all this. It's, a, I think it's a nice sort of arc. It's a nice balance to now start, you know, coaching people and mentoring people into, you know, themselves, like growing as leaders and learning. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. So thanks for sharing this.
1: <laughs> of course, it's my pleasure. Honestly, I think that is the most rewarding part, frankly, is... Yeah letting other people find their own success and really just finding smarter people to bring in the room. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and just letting them, letting them be who they are. Right. They're all incredible all-stars and it's just my job to make sure that nothing gets in their way and that they're running in the right direction and that they're enjoying it. And that's yeah, it. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's really cool. Um, uh, we, we've, I think we've, uh, we've come to the end of the, the episode. So thanks. Thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time, Kristen. Uh, do you have uh, maybe somewhere people can find you online uh, if they want to ask you a question or connect with you
1: oh sure feel free and like shoot me a message on linkedin is what i would say uh you can also find me at twitter linkedin i am kristen mikie m-i-k-i-e sword um and then twitter it's km sword but feel free
0: okay all right sounds good thank you so much for your time again
1: Thank you so much.
0: Yeah.